A welcome to all of you who are joining us today for worship. It is good for us to be together. We are in our fourth Sunday of Lent. It's hard to believe that the Lenten season has gone by this quickly, but uh, here we are. We find ourselves on the fourth Sunday of Lent. So let us pause and prepare our hearts and our minds for worship. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Bend your ear to our prayers, Lord Christ, and come among us. By your gracious life and death for us, bring light into the darkness of our hearts and anoint us with your Spirit. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading will be our psalm today, the 23rd Psalm. I invite you to Uh, Say it aloud with me if you happen to have it memorized. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. The Lord makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. You restore my soul, O Lord, and guide me along right pathways for your name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup is running over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is the Holy Gospel according to John, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, 
Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought the Pharisees they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud in my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. What do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but God does listen to the one who worships the Lord and obeys the Lord's will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sin, and are you trying to teach us? And then they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? 
He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one who is speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I've found myself really struck by the parents of the blind man in this story. It was kind of a long reading and they weren't featured very much. So a quick reminder that the blind man, blind man's parents were asked by the Pharisees to confirm that the once blind man was indeed their son. And then they were asked how their son's sight was restored. And they said that, yes, he was their son and he had indeed been born blind, but they had no idea how he gained his sight. And then they put that burden of scrutiny back on their son saying, He is of age. You can ask him how he now sees. And the text tells us that they did this because they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. And I find myself so struck by the words and actions of the parents because I realized that out of everyone in this story, I am probably most like the parents of the blind man. I, too, have some limits to my bravery and how much I'm willing to stand up to authority. I'm a firstborn child and I like to follow the rules, but I will push on them within reason. And this is what the parents of the blind man are like. They demonstrate some real bravery and defiance by affirming that the once blind man is their son and that he was born blind. It would have been easier and safer for them to say, no, that's not our son. It would have kept them entirely out of the drama that was unfolding, but they do stick their toe in just enough to say, this is our son, and he was born blind. But this is where their defiance of the religious authorities end. They put that burden of proof and of telling the story of what happened back on their son because they were afraid of being kicked out. And by naming their being afraid of the Pharisees, the story does seem to suggest that the parents know that it was Jesus who gave their son his eyesight. But they just can't bring themselves to fully stand with their son and his story in opposition to the Pharisees. I think of how often I can be known to do something similar, how often I may not fully stand up for someone or fully stand up for what I believe in because I am concerned with what someone else might think of me, because I get worried that someone may think less of me or may think of me differently. In other words, I've been known to preserve myself and my reputation and my safety and to do that and sometimes to do so at the expense of others or at the expense of what I believe. And I don't think that this is unusual or that I am alone in this. This is a reality of sin in our world that captures and ensnares all of us. The broken systems of this world try and isolate us from each other, try and make us turn in on ourselves and try to pit us against each other. 
They tell us that it is better for us to go along with the status quo and tell us that breaking from that status quo causes harm and disconnection in our lives. But when we look at the parents and how they mostly went along with the Pharisees, with those powerful authorities going along with the status quo because they were trapped in the lie that told them they'd experience greater disconnection going against authority, they ended up experiencing deep disconnection from their son. And they experienced deep disconnection from what Jesus was teaching and showing the world about God. In turn, they actually became more disconnected and more isolated, which I find happens to me and I could guess also happens to you when we find ourselves in similar situations. And now let me be quick to say that I'm not blaming the parents or blaming myself or blaming any of us for those moments of falling into the status quo because it feels easier and safer. The forces of sin in this world are powerful. And Jesus is more powerful still. Jesus breaks through the sin that disconnects and isolates us from each other and from God and offers connection and life, offers his life. Jesus restores the blind man to his community, to life, and to wholeness. And Jesus does the same for you. Jesus does the same for each and every one of us. We may not experience the isolation that came in biblical times with being born blind, but each of us knows what it feels like to be disconnected from our community in some way. And Jesus is always breaking through those disconnections to restore you to life and wholeness with him and with others. And this is partially what this Lenten journey is about, growing in our awareness of the ways we and others are disconnected from each other and growing in our awareness of our need for the cross of Jesus Christ. For Jesus experiences the ultimate form of disconnection and isolation and abandonment in dying on a cross so that through that same cross, you would know restoration and connection, and life. Perhaps as you heard me read this story today, you found yourself thinking of the hymn Amazing Grace, which we will sing together in a moment. And the cross is God's gift of amazing grace for you and all of the world in Jesus Christ. It is the amazing grace that finds us all when we are lost saves us from loneliness and disconnection, and preciously appears in the hours that we need it most. May this grace of Jesus Christ hold you close, this day and always. Amen. We will sing together now, as I just said, the hymn Amazing Grace.
Living together in trust and hope, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. May Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Bless you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. Jesus meets you on the way. Thanks be to God.